Okay. Uh, let's turn to page 11. Page 11 says the battle is on, join the fight. Few people want to be in a battle. As followers of Christ, however, as followers of Christ, however, we're in the middle of a conflict that has been raging for thousands of years. Whether we know it or not, ours is a spiritual battle and it's critical for us to know the stakes. Anyone with military experience will tell you the value of knowing your enemy and determining what you're up against. In the screw tape letter, C.S. Lewis identified two wrong attitudes people often hold about evil. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. In this study, The Dark Side, we'll take a deeper look at the truth about Satan, demons, and the pervasive evil in the paranormal world. Yes, those are dark subjects, but they're also critical for those of us who need to know what we're up against. Thankfully, this study will also examine everything we've been given in Christ to stand against the forces of evil. We don't need to be afraid. In fact, through the truth of who we are in Christ and the armor he has made available to us, we can stand infinitely, we can stand confidently against the devil's schemes. Yes, Satan is mighty, but our God is almighty. All right, so I want to keep that introduction in mind as we go into our study on the dark side, which covers six sessions or six lessons. And uh, it'll be good again to, uh, to remind you to try to go through this at home prior to coming to class so that you can have all the questions answered and be able to be able to more fully participate. Uh, first question then, what monster or fictional villain best represents evil to you? What monster or fictional villain best represents evil to you? First question on page 13. Everybody remember those old movies? Some books you read. Some books you read. What fictional villain or character? Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger, all right. <laughs> That's the Friday the 13th movies, right? Yeah, they're on TV now. Right, yeah, yeah, they're showing those now. Okay, anybody else? From Star Wars, you know that? I think it's Darth Vader. Darth Vader from Star Wars. <laughs> okay. All right. So we are, we are acquainted with those figures. Yeah. Okay, those uh, villainous creatures. Okay, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life on page 14. Right, someone can read that. We can't deny evil exists. It's all around us. That reality struck home when I saw the shoes, house of children's shoes. 
I was visiting the infamous Nazi concentration camp known as Buchenwald. Over 250,000 people were cruelly imprisoned there, and conservative estimates put the death toll between 40 and 50,000 innocents. Seeing the others left little to the imagination, whether it was the shoes of the countless children who died that hit me with the harsh reality of evil. Unfortunately, Evil isn't something we just see in fiction. Evil is no illusion, and while it can certainly reside in the hearts of people, such evil is most clearly seen in the one who seeks to inspire it, Satan. The book of Revelation shows us exactly who this Satan is, the one who seeks to harm us. Thankfully, the book of Revelation also tells us of Satan's defeat, in this study, we'll see what Christ has done for us and how we can stand against Satan's schemes. Okay. That's an interesting uh, introduction mm. to our study. What is the point of our lesson today? Satan fights against us, but we can stand in Christ. Okay, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Satan is fighting against us every waking moment. But uh, we have the assurance that uh, Christ is fighting for us. Uh, he's on our side. And we can stand in him. Okay, let's look then at the first uh, scripture reference we have on page 15. Uh, Revelation 12, 7 to 9. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought. But he fought, he could not prevail. And there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out. The ancient serpent was called the devil and Satan. The one who deceived the whole world. He was thrown to earth and his angels with him. Okay, so a couple of things we want to note from uh, verse 9. The dragon is, a mention, is one of the names mentioned there. And the dragon is identified as the devil, Satan, and God's chief adversary. He is the main person who is primarily fighting against God. We know his history, right? In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, it says, This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with all his angels. And we don't know how many of them there are, for there are many. And Revelation 20 verse 2 says, He seized the dragon, that is God, that old serpent, who is the devil of Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. Okay, so we have those two references there to Satan. The John uses three key terms to describe the dragon. First one, the dragon is an ancient serpent. The imagery of a serpent links the dragon with a with the crafty snake that tempted Eve. Remember the Garden of Eden? <coughs> tempted Adam and Eve to sin. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 7. The second, uh, secondly, John noted the dragon is called the devil. The Greek word translated devil means accuser 
or slanderer. Okay? And so whenever we find people being accused, especially wrongly, we can associate that with the devil himself. Uh, he is the accuser of the brethren. We saw that in uh, Job's instance where uh, he went before God and accused, tried to accuse Job. And then he's also called a slanderer. So slandering is also associated with the devil. And so we need to be mindful of those two terms. Whenever we find people who are accusing people and slandering people, they're actually doing the work of the devil. They're doing Satan's work. And so we want to be cautious that we don't be, find ourselves doing the same thing. And then the third term John, uh, John used, he identified the dragon as Satan. And this word appears both in the Old and New Testaments. Both the Hebrew and Greek terms translated Satan to mean adversary. And he is, as we mentioned already, God's chief adversary because he wanted to be God. He wanted to overthrow God and become God. And that's how come he got booted out of heaven. In addition to these three names, John described the, the dragon as the one who deceives the whole world. And when we read the newspapers and we listen to the media news, we can see that he's doing that, right? He's deceiving the whole world. Deception was one aspect of Satan's dealings with Adam and Eve. That's how we got where we are today, because of his deception. Okay, he deceived Eve into thinking that God was holding out on them. Didn't want to give them, didn't want them to have what they were entitled to. Jesus called the devil a liar and the father of, of lies in John 8 for 44. Okay, so lying is also associated with the devil and we need to be mindful of that. The devil and his angels were thrown, uh, thrown to earth. The Bible, Bible scholars present a wide range of interpretation about when this war in heaven occurred. Some contend this, this text is about the fall of Satan and his angels before the beginning of human history. According to this view, the fall of Satan happened before Satan tempted Adam and Eve. Others suggest the heavenly war happens during the tribulation of God's people near Jesus' return to the, to the end of time. Another view is that the heavenly war occurred at the time of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Whatever the timing of this battle in heaven, John's main concern for all of us was to remind us that the devil is a deceiver and that he has been defeated. That Jesus defeated the devil through his death and resurrection is clear teaching, clear teaching in the New Testament. For instance, John said, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, according to 1 John 3 and 8. The author of the book of Hebrews added that Jesus came to destroy the devil as the one who held the power of death. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, which reads, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Okay, so we see uh, some interesting observations that comes out of verse 9. Let's look at the verses beneath that verse on page 15. Revelation is a prophetic book full of visions and symbolism which has given rise to a few disagreements in interpretation. 
Thankfully, John's apple. Apocalyptic. We know what it is. Just do it. About several key truths. God remains sovereign. He brings redemption to its complete fulfillment, and his eternal kingdom is firmly established. Revelation also reveals Christ as our victorious king. Another truth that becomes clear in John's vision is Satan's defeat. Revelation 12 describes the war in which Satan pictures as a great dragon is defeated by God's angelic forces. When does this war take place? Some scholars believe the battle occurred at the time of Jesus' ascension, when the sun was caught up to God and to his rule. Other scholars are convinced the battle will take place in the future, specifically during the, the later days of the tribulation. We might differ on the timing of this war, but we can be clear on one thing. At its conclusion, Satan is defeated. Satan no longer has any right to be in heaven, the place where Jesus has been exalted to the right hand of God. But the devil doesn't go down without a fight. He still wants to destroy us. Satan has been working to deceive God's people since the beginning. According to Jesus, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Next page. Make no mistake. Satan works to confuse us, lie to us, deceive us, and ruin our lives and spiritual vitality. He tries to get us to see things from our distorted human perspective, rather than with our hearts devoted to the honor and glory of our Creator. Give me the privilege to read that again. Go ahead. And I pray, God, this will come to me stronger. Mm -hmm. Make no mistake, brothers and sisters. Satan wants to confuse us, lie to us, deceive us, and ruin our lives and spiritual vitality. He tries to get us to see things from our destroyed human perspective rather than with our hearts devoted to us to the honor and glory of our Creator. The unfortunate truth is that we believe the enemy's lies on a regular basis. He is crafty and we are easy targets when we are unprepared. Therefore, followers of Christ must be ever vigilant. We must keep our focus on God and God will, ra will rather than our. We must keep our focus on God and God's will rather than our own desires. Wow, that's a mouthful. That's right. Yeah. Very, very. Yes. Powerful. Powerful. Notice uh, the first paragraph there. It says Revelation is a prophetic book full of visions 
on symbolisms which has given rise to few disagreements in interpretation. Thankfully, John's apocalyptic vision is crystal clear about several key truths. And these key truths is what we need to keep in mind. God remains sovereign. There is never a day in our existence that God is not in control. We need to remember that because a lot of times people think that God missed this one. Or God was too busy with dealing with, with uh, uh, Zimbabwe or, or somebody else somewhere in the world that he missed it. We need to remember that God is always sovereign. He's always on the throne, always in control. God remains sovereign. Secondly, he brings redemption to its complete fulfillment. There is nothing else to be done with regards to our redemption. When Jesus said, it is finished, it is finished. Okay? And then his eternal kingdom is firmly established. He's not still working on it. It's already been established. Revelation also reveals that Christ is our victorious king. Don't picture him on a cross or being uh, uh, beaten and abused by the soldiers. Picture him as the glorified, victorious king of kings and lord of lords. Question number two. What have you been taught about the devil? Okay, as we grew up uh, during our lifetime, what have you been taught about the devil? Oh, one at a time. <laughs> okay, one at a time. Okay. The devil is a what? It's a sly fox. A sly fox, okay. You put him in a box, that's what it is. I never heard that one. Devil is a sly fox, you put him in a box? Yes, how does it go? Wow. No way, no. And I'm I'm glad I have salvation. Okay. <laughs> All right. I never heard that one before. Anybody else? Yeah. Another chick, the look here. Um, she she is saying here. Yeah, I'm saying by her face. She ready to go it. Go ahead. Well, the first part is right. It says the devil is a sly old fox. If I could catch him, I'd put him in a box. Yeah. Lock that box and throw it away. Yeah. For all the tricks he's playing on me. I'm glad I have salvation. I'm glad I have salvation. Glad I have salvation. I'm trusting in the Lord. Lord. I didn't need it. All right. Yeah, she was just saying part of it. Okay. <laughs> Good. Well, that, that describes him to T. <laughs> in terms of what he's doing. That's right. Okay, question number three. So that's, a, that's one of the things we've heard about, uh, we've been taught about the devil. What else have we been taught about the devil? Another way he walks around. The Bible is really in your mind, too. More than anything. You might think physical, but it's in your mind, so you got to be careful of what's happening in here. Okay. And then whatever he says is opposite of. Okay. Let me tell you. Just know that it's All right, and the devil asks why. Okay, that's why Romans tells us that our mind is to be transformed, <laughs> our mind renewed. Anybody else? He walks around like a roaring lion, waiting to seek to Okay, bow. he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking to destroy. That's why he steals and he kills and destroys. 
I always hold fast to the verse, and I don't know where it is that says um, that the devil has no power on earth that God does not give him or allow him. Allow him. I forget the exact wording. So that's something that I always refer to when <laughs> right, because and we have an example of that in Job's situation. You know, de the devil couldn't do anything without God's approval, yeah. and that that falls under the category of God being sovereign. All right, because God is sovereign, He's in control. He controls everything. He, he only allows Satan to go so far and no further. In fact, the Bible tells us also that He um, said of the boundaries, the, the seas, that they could go so far and no further. All right, and so that's one of the things that we need to remember always, that Satan cannot do whatever he feels like doing. Okay, he has to get permission from God. In fact, the, 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 the story of Job tells us that Satan appeared with the other uh, angels before God. And that uh, is an implication that God keeping tabs on him, that he is accountable. Okay, he can't do whatever he feels like doing. Question number three. Where do you see evidence of Satan's deceptive work in the world today? <laughs> Everywhere you turn, right? Where don't you see it? The web shops. The web shops? Okay, it doesn't matter where you go. People running traffic lights? In the market. In the market? Violence among the people? Pornography? Pornography? Persecution. Huh? Persecution. Even from some of the pulpits. That's right. Yes. Okay, so the question should be where you don't see it. Yeah. Right? But uh, no matter where you turn, and it's becoming ever more prevalent. As we get closer to the return of Christ, you're going to see it more prevalent, more blatant. Okay, because some people are doing some things today that they would never have done in some years ago. And so they're very brazen about it and blatant about it. Uh, because Satan knows that his time is running out. And so he doesn't care anymore. He's pulling out all the stops. Okay, verses 7 to 9 reveal Satan to be a deceiver who has been thrown down in his battle against God. As we continue with verse 10, we'll see that Satan also functions as the accuser of those who follow Christ. Okay, so let's look at, uh, at those verses. Uh, verse 12, chapter 12, verse 10, on page 16. Then I heard a loud voice in the heavens say, The salvation and the, and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his, of his Christ has now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night have been thrown down. Okay, let's look at the verses beneath there because we have some bullet points there. Go ahead. Did you know that devil is not a personal name? Neither is Satan. These are titles that describe our enemy's evil power of work. In the Greek language, the word Diabolos. Diabolos refers to someone who slanders and accuses. The devil is continually speaking against us. Indeed, we see in Revelations 12 that Satan not only seeks to deceive us, he also seeks to accuse us, just as he accused others throughout God's word. The devil accused Job. Satan stood before God and accused the righteous Job, 
of not having a deep commitment to God. He even accused God of protecting Job from harm so that the man would not reveal his true nature. Okay, let's look at Job chapter 1. Let's look at those verses. Job chapter 1. 9-11. Anybody so, have it? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Okay. The devil accused Joshua. Zachariah saw a vision in which Satan stood at the right hand of the high priest Joshua to accuse him. See Zechariah 3.1. Okay, Zechariah 3.1. Anybody have that? Yes. Go ahead. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to <laughs> accuse him. Okay, Satan was right there. Yep. Present and accounted for. Yep. Okay. Next page. Next page. The devil accuses us. You surely have felt his accusation. You've sinned too much. You're not good enough. If you really love Jesus, you, you wouldn't think that way. You failed. Satan is relentless. He desires to accuse us before our God day and night. He, his accusations can sting, but let's not lose sight of a greater thought. This lying accuser has been thrown down. Because of Christ, we have an advocate, someone who stands with us against Satan's accusations. The Lord stood with Joshua. In Zechariah's visions, the Lord answered Satan's accusations by saying, the Lord rebuke you. Satan, um, may the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. It's, um, Zechariah 3 2. The Lord stood with Peter. Hours before his arrest and trial, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to shift you like, like wheat. Sif, sorry. Um, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Luke 22 31 to 32. The Lord stands with us. Satan was defeated through the work of Christ, and Christ now stands for us. He is our advocate. If anyone does sin, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, 1 John 2 and 1. Believing Satan's lies can destroy our spiritual vitality. We must know our enemy's tactics and we must, also, we must always return to the reality of our faith and the forgiveness we receive from through Jesus Christ. Okay, so we have a, a couple of points there that we can take note of in those bullet points. Uh, the devil accused Job, and we've mentioned Job many times already, because Job is a good classic example of how Satan works against God's people. And then the devil accused Joshua, and of course, um, Joshua had backup there. And then, of course, the devil accuses us. And I'm sure we've all had those uh, thoughts that are mentioned here. You've sinned too much. You're not good enough. If you really love Jesus, you wouldn't think that way. You failed. 
we all have those thoughts, and Satan is the one who plants those thoughts in our minds. Uh, and then we think uh, that God doesn't uh, have any compassion toward us. And then uh, we note the other three bullet points on the positive side. The Lord stood with Joshua, the Lord stood with Peter, and the Lord stands with us. And we can be assured of that uh, whenever we face the devil and his tactics or his vicious schemes. And he doesn't sleep, remember that. We sleep, but he doesn't. Okay, while we're sleeping, he's cooking up the next scheme to work against us. All right, he doesn't need sleep because he's not human. All right, question number four on page 18. How should we understand Satan's role as our accuser? Don't you think if he's taking time out to deal with you, he must be doing something right? Of course. So, because otherwise he wouldn't even be bothering you. Mm -hmm. If you're not bothering Satan, he's not going to bother you. Believe me. He doesn't have time. Okay? Right. He doesn't have time. Okay, he's got too many other things to work on. But if you are bothering him, someone says, when, when, when believers pray there's hemorrhaging in hell, you, you don't bother Satan, he won't bother you. Okay, and so when you are attacked and accused, like Job, you know that you got to be doing something good that pleases God, that's honorable to God. Okay, now if he's not bothering, then you need to be concerned. Okay, if he's not bothering you, then quite naturally you, you're probably doing what he likes. And he said, uh, he, may, he may be one who said, you can say what you like, you can do what you like, but I still got you going my way. Remember that song? Yes. Well, that's what Satan says to some believers sometimes. All right? You can say what you like, you can do what you like, but I still got you going my way. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so say Satan does fear believers, you know, uh, in, in terms of how we live. Now we have an activity there uh, that says not even close on page 17. Uh, did anybody do that? Oh yeah, sorry I didn't get a book. Okay, well that's a good exercise to do. It gives you a start there uh, where it says use the chart below to list some of God's attributes along with how Satan compares. And he uses two of them there to give us an example of God, omni om omnipresent, exists everywhere. Satan exists only in one place. And then you can look at the other attributes of God. Some of them we mentioned last time we were here in the other study. And uh, and then you can match them there. Okay, how can we how can the church better communicate the reality of God's superiority over Satan? That's a good question. How can the church better communicate the reality of God's superiority over Satan? Anybody want to give it a crack at answering that? Through the lives that we live. Through the lives, the life, how we live our lives, right? Okay. Anyone else? By mentioning God all the time, mm -hmm. and we we don't need to be referring to and talking about being afraid of Satan. Okay. We don't give him priority in our conversations. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Okay, as the hymn writer says, there's something about that name, and we can use that name. Okay, Revelation chapter 12, verses 11 to 12. 
They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. Okay, continue with the verses below. So far, we've seen that Satan is relentless in his deceit and accusations. That can feel overwhelming when we remember how powerful he is. But don't lose heart. Satan may be powerful, but God is all-powerful. Satan is a created being with limitations. He is certainly no equal with God. Best of all, he is already defeated. One of the blessings of the gospel is that we don't have to bring about Satan's defeat. We only have to stand in the victory we receive through Jesus. Looking ahead to the cross, Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. John 12, 31 to 32. Our victory is assured because after he died, Jesus walked out of a borrowed tomb. Our redemption and our relationship with the victor is eternally secure. Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Romans 8, 33 to 34. According to Revelation 12, Satan knows his time is short. That's why he stays after us. And that's why we need to stay vigilant. Satan will attack, but we can resist him by daily lifting up Jesus in our lives and dying to our old selves. No more darkness, no more bondage. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life, John 8, 12. We can stand against Satan because we can stand in Christ. Okay, very encouraging words, hey. Couple of main points you want to highlight uh, from that uh, those paragraphs. First one is, so far we've seen that Satan is relentless in his deceit and accusations. That we can feel overwhelming when we remember how, that can feel overwhelming when we remember how powerful he is. But don't lose heart, Satan may be powerful, but God is all powerful. So that's one point, main point we wanna remember. The second point is, best of all, he is already defeated. Okay, he's already lost. Okay, the third point is, one of the blessings of the gospel is that we don't have to bring about Satan's defeat. We only have to stand in the victory we receive through Jesus. Not a good point. And then finally, according to Revelation 12, Satan knows that his time is short. And we keep repeating that over and over. Satan knows his days are numbered. That's why he stays after us. And that's why we need to stay vigilant. Don't give in. Question number five, final question. What are some ways we can defend against Satan's accusations? And Sister Beth mentioned God's name. 
And that Naomi doesn't like to hear. Okay, what other ways we can uh, defend against Satan's accusations? Just speak the word. Okay, speak the word. Okay, when Jesus is tempted in Matthew 4 in the, in the wilderness, what did he do? He used scripture. All right, and remember, Satan knows scripture too. So you'll be, you've got to be able to fire back. Okay, so scripture is a good one. So the point of our lesson today is what? Satan fights against us, but we can stand in Christ. Okay, Satan fights against us. That's 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 a no-brainer. He will fight against us, but we can stand. We don't have to. We don't have to cower. We don't have to wither away. We can stand firm. Okay. So let's look at how we can live these this lesson out as we go forth during the week. We can overcome Satan through Jesus. What will we do this week to walk in victory? Confess. Turn from sin and give Satan no grounds for accusation in your life. Place your trust in Christ for forgiveness and freedom. First thing we do. Second thing we do is read. Make scripture reading a daily habit. Let the truth of scripture fill your mind rather than the deceit and lies of Satan. Test every thought to see how it stands against the truth of Christ in this world. Okay, so it's important to allow the word of God to saturate our minds. And then speak, final point. When we see others living in false guilt because of Satan's lies, point to the victory they can have in Christ. Lead them to embrace the truth and walk in victory. So three things we can do this week. Confess, read, and speak. And finally, don't fall into the trap of believing evil doesn't exist or believing that evil only impacts the world in faraway places. Satan is a clear and present danger to God's people. Thankfully, our status as God's people means we can claim the victory he has already won. Amen?